Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Ben Berg from Berg Hospitality coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my good friend. She's the owner of Avondale Food and Wine in Montrose. Mary Clarkson, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm doing well, Eric. It's so good to be here. Uh, it's been a minute, but I'm happy to be here with you today. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, The Rob Report, a magazine devoted to the luxurious global lifestyle, has named Chris Shepard the best chef in the world or it's their Chef of the Year Award and their 31st Best of the Best Awards. So that means that he's the best chef in the world. Mary, I talked to Chris about this, and I said, are you the best chef in the world? And he said, don't put that on me. But that's thus, you know, that's the magazine. That's how they drive. That's how they drive interest. And, and of course, putting Houston chef named Best Chef in the World on a, in a headline for Culture Map has been highly successful for us. So... Thanks, thanks for that, Rob Report. Um, Mary, let me put it to you. Is, is Chris Shepard the best chef in the world? I think Chris is a great chef and a good mentor to a lot of chefs. The best chef in the world. I'm happy for Houston to have some of that um, prestige attributed to our city and one of our own chefs. Um, personally, I've met so many amazing chefs around the world, so I think that's a tough, uh, tough title. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a little bit silly. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know if they have rules about you can't repeat, you know, like if, if once a chef has been named best of the best, if he's no longer, he or she is no longer eligible for the title. Uh, but the world is a very big place. There's literally thousands of people who, who could have been eligible for this. I think, um, it's an excellent PR effort it by Lindsey Brown. Yeah. Uh, props to props to Chris's girlfriend and publicist, Lindsay, for whatever. Fiance. Wh- fiance, excuse me. Yes. For whatever role she played in, in helping Chris uh, become, be, get on the radar of the Rob Report and, and earn that recognition from I th- them. I think they did an exclusive event for them in the pre-opening of Georgia James. I'm not 100%, but oh. I think Rob Report had an exclusive on that. Well, that that's a good way to make friends. and And certainly I think you're right. I think. If this drives some of those Rob Report reading high rollers to fly their G5s to Houston and come visit a few restaurants, then that's all to the good. And like Chris said in the in the interview, you know, don't just come don't just come to my places, go to Cultivare, go to Squabble, you know, go see any of those guys and, and really experience what the city has to offer. I agree. Anything that builds up our scene, our culinary scene like this is wonderful. We've got four James Beard Award winning chefs now. So the city keeps benefiting from all of this national press. Yeah. So, I, you know, we're, I think uh, there's still some people in town who are not over the James Beard finalist snub, 11 semifinalists, no finalists. So take that, James Beard. The Rob Report loves us. <laughs> there you go. All right. Topic number two. Burger Chan, one of my favorite little local burger spots, is opening a second location. Currently, they're in the Greenway Plaza food court with places like Fiji's Barbecue and the Rice Box. But they are coming above ground 
to a new location at 5353 West Alabama, which, well, frankly, is the building that we're recording in right now. So, Mary, I'm getting a Burger Chan. And you're excited about it. <laughs> I am super excited about it. Uh, yeah, this is, this is a really great opportunity for Diane and Willett Fang, the owners of Burger Chan. They get to do, you know, they get to be above ground. They will get to add dinner service. They'll get to sell beer and wine. You know, all of the things that they haven't been able to do being a lunch-only option in Greenway Plaza. And this is a concept that's really evolved since it opened a couple of years ago. You know, Willett is a is a highly trained, uh, very experienced chef. He was on the opening crew at Oxhart. He's worked overseas. He does spend a little time with Dish Society. So, you know, he's got good culinary instincts. He's got, he understands kind of the logistics. He and Diane make a good team. And, uh, yeah, I'm a huge fan. I don't, have you have you ever had the, the burger, Chan? I have. It's pretty good. And I'm excited for a kind of a Galleria-ish location. Yeah, I right. I right. Beyond the fact that it's the office of uh, the mighty Gal Media, <laughs> uh, this does put them in the gal. This does put them in the gallery area. Obviously, it opens up a whole new crowd for them. And you know, with all the various delivery apps, right? Like that's another aspect. This gives the this extends their reach. They can be open on the weekends now. It's just you know, it's it's a win all the way around. Absolutely. I'm excited for you and them. (laughs) Mostly for them. Somewhat for me. Um, Topic number three. We have another Austin restaurant that's coming to Houston. Are you familiar with Be More Pacific? I am not. Mary, I count on you. You go to Austin (laughs) all the time. I count on you. I do go to Austin all the time. I try to mix like one new restaurant in with my old favorites. So I haven't made it yet. You only eat at Larry McGuire restaurants. (laughs) Loyalty is rewarded. Yes. All right. Well, Be More Pacific is a Filipino restaurant that started, not surprisingly, uh, as a food truck. Uh, they've been they've had a brick and mortar for a couple of years now, and they are opening in the same shopping center as La Vibra Tacos at Fifth and Yale. Uh, apparently, they do like a um, our Culture Map Austin food editor Brandon Watson is a big Be More Pacific fan, and our readers voted it best new restaurant in the 2018 Tastemaker Awards. So. They're kind of doing the fast casual, you know, slightly like more approachable version of Filipino food uh, with apparently really great cocktails. The real estate attorney and broker in me will have this to say about it only. Only an out of town operator would pick that strip center. It's a, I don't like that location at all. Well, okay, so why not? Because Better Luck Tomorrow is right down the street from it, and that has been highly, it's highly successful. It's a hard corner. Okay. <laughs> and it's a second-generation space, uh, if not more than a second-generation space. This little location is a block before that. It's tucked back from the street. Um, it's kind of divided up awkwardly and not as easy to get in and out of. You have a stoplight where BLT is, which actually makes it easier to get in and out of as far as traffic flow. And the rents that BLT, I imagine, are paying versus the rents that these people are paying. We talked about it a year ago, what the landlord was asking for rent um, was astronomical. Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> I, I think this is, this is a... I will say, this has been a very popular article on Culture Map. I think there's a... They'll get a wave of interest because of Austin and and because of their brand. Right. And there's just not, like, most of the Filipino restaurants in Houston 
appeal to people who grew up eating Filipino food. Yep. This is, but but I think it's Wonder- a cuisine. It's a cuisine that there's a lot of interest in and excitement about. And I think that's sixty bucks a foot, though. What are they going to be charging for their food? I have no idea what they charge <laughs> for their food, and I, I doubt it. That sounds like a lot with triple net. Yep. Ooh. Okay. Well, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> then we'll see. I mean, they expect to be open by the fall. Um, like I said, I've heard a lot of good things about the food, so. I'm excited and, and to try it. And there's not a lot of diversity in the Heights, right? There's not a lot of no, there's not Asian, you know, recognizing that that's a somewhat of a catch-all, but there's just not a lot of like any Asian style, Chinese, Vietnamese, whatever. Mm-mm. So I think a little diversity, I, you know, I think that's appealing. That'll that'll give people in the Heights something new to try. And if the price point's reasonable, it'll that will work in their favor. Yes, they'll make it up in volume. Yep. All right. And topic number four. Last week, I talked with Felice about the fact that Indica is closing at the end of the month. We know now what is coming. Mickey Kapoor, the restaurateur behind a lot of places, including, well, he founded India's and in Aga, and he is currently the owner of Kyber. So he's someone who's been in the Houston restaurant scene for about 40 years. Uh, he tried to run Indica. He couldn't run Indica in, in, the, same way, in, the, in the same way that Anita Jaisinghani did before she sold it, so he's changing it up. And the new concept is called Bukhara, and he describes it as a meat lover's paradise. (laughs) Bukhara is a city in Uzbekistan, and apparently that is the place where, like, the tandoor oven was first employed. So a lot of the dishes that you see that people traditionally think of as Indian have their roots in Bukhara. Um, Mary, you, you want to... A restaurant right down the street from I Indica do. slash Bukhara. What is your sense of how things are going right now for the restaurants on Lower Westheimer? I mean, I'll just speak to Montrose as a whole. Um, I consider Pass and Provisions that was on Taft to be Montrose. Um, you have the loss of Wood Bar and uh, Canopy recently, and now you have the loss of Indica. I do think there is something going on in the city. Uh, right now, but also specifically Montrose. There's a density of restaurants and bars and coffee shops in Montrose. And if you're not best in class or you aren't maybe the new kid on the block um, or don't have good press coverage, you're really hurting right now, especially as you're leading into summer. Unfortunately, I don't think this is going to be the end of closures in the neighborhood and the city of of places that we really um, adore. But I don't think Indica has been the same since it was sold. I think a lot of people maybe didn't know that, but Pondicherry was the previous owner's, um, you know, main focus since she sold. And I don't think Indica's ever really been the same since. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. I think the the chefs who bought it had kind of a vision for how to continue it. But uh, I mean, like Mickey told me last week for the article, you can't, you can't, the a horse can't change its rider in the middle of the race. No. So it's once once a restaurant it's very closely identified with a chef. It's hard for that chef to leave or or sell it in this case. Yeah, without and, rebranding or reconcepting. Right. And I mean that's kind of what happened to Pax Americana, right? Pax Americana had a, a successful run under Adam Doris and then the only uh, one Martha who, De Leon took it over and then once Martha left it was kind of the only one lost who, that sparkle. The only one who wins in the Pax space is Zimmerman, okay? it's gonna be bb lemon we'll be talking to ben berg about that in a little bit i mean i hope steve gave it to him for free (laughs) 
<laughs> just profit share. Ben Berg can turn that thing around. All right. Well, we we raced through that. So you want you want topic number five, bonus topic? Do it. What do you think about Aaron Bludorn, the for, now former chef de cuisine or executive chef of Cafe Baloo, moving to Houston to open a new restaurant? Touche. You and I talked about this last week. Um, I've been following him on Instagram for a while, so I saw his you know announcement that he was moving to Houston pop up, I think, before the press really got a hold of it. Um, he married into the Pappas family, so they're moving back to start a family here, and that seems to make sense. Obviously, this gentleman is very talented and wants to do a restaurant here, and I'm sure he is going to be able to do so. Um, I don't know if it would be a, a traditional restaurant like Balud was, but um, 10 years at the helm of, of that restaurant, he is sure to make an impact on this city. You've been to Cafe Balud. Yes. You like Cafe Baloo. I love it. Staple. New York staple. Yeah. And he was very good on the final table, the Netflix yes. cooking competition show, too. I, I'm, yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement about, I mean, that restaurant has a Michelin star. Sure. And I just think there's a lot of excitement about what he's going to do when he gets here. Um, you know, I, I like to say, you know, the race for the best new restaurant of 2020 starts now, basically, because he will definitely be in the mix for that. I mean, I, I think somebody like him is going to hit this town on the ground running pretty fast. So I would expect to see something him from him sooner rather than later. Yeah. All right, Mary, that does it for the news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk about Two new places with you. The first is the original Ninfas in Uptown Houston. Mm. This is the second location. So there's there's a few Ninfas around town, but this is the only, there are only two that are owned by legacy restaurants. So the first is obviously the original on Navigation where Chef Alex Padilla has been plying his trade for about 10 years now. And then the second location that Legacy owns is this new one that just opened up in the former Pesca space in Boulevard Place, right there at the corner of Post Oak and San Felipe. They recruited Chef Jason Gold to help them with that. Uh, Jason, of course, was the chef at Gravitas for a few years and more recently has been working for Cyclone Anayas. So he's got that kind of fine dining pedigree, but he also knows his a thing or two about Tex-Mex. Now, Mary, I will say that we went um, the night before it officially opened to the public. They had like a kind of soft opening, see who shows up thing working. Um, let's just kind of start with like <laughs> decor because I want to talk about the food, but let's just like, what were your walking in? What were your impressions? So I remember the space in its former iteration. It's a kind of a hard corner right there at San Felipe and Post Oak in the same shopping center as Whole Foods. Um, very light, very bright. For a Ninfas or a Mexican Tex-Mex concept in Houston, very contemporary was my impression. Yeah, I think they worked with Michael Shu on that design out of Austin. It's got those exposed wood beams. Mm -hmm. There's kind of the wall with the pictures of Mama Ninfa. Contemporary light fixtures. Right. Really light, bright colors. Very warm. 
Right. It doesn't really look like the ninfas on navigation, but of course that space is kind of a bunker. It's windowless mm-hmm. and narrow. So it's how we like our Tex-Mex in Houston though, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. A much more contemporary design. It's, it's really very appealing visually. Yes. It's a, it's a very pretty restaurant. It could be honestly like any kind of restaurant when you first walk in. Right. Um, I will say, I think we, you know, the food was a, a mixed bag. Start with the beverages. Let's start with a highlight for our girl, Linda Salinas. Yeah, Linda Salinas, <laughs> my, my frequent co-host and contributor to this show, is the cocktail consultant on that project. You know, she she is not messing with the Ninfarita. The Ninfarita is not going to change. Let's just be very explicit about that. But, you know, she's bringing some mezcal to the menu. She's bringing some, some better garnishes, uh, better quality spirits. I mean, I had a... Uh, I had a mezcal cocktail with pineapple that was like sweet and smoky, really, I mean, really delicious, like the the kind of thing that I could have drank probably three of. The cocktails that she created were incredible. And then obviously the go-to, Ninfarita's Frozen uh, on the rocks as well were good. So let's let's talk about what wasn't good. <laughs> well, so I we got we got caught in a kitchen crunch, I think, where they either lost track of our ticket or the timing got messed up because our friend Nate Rose, who was dining with us, his salad arrived and then the rest of the dinner order didn't arrive for like another 10 or 15 minutes. So, you know, I, I mean, I love the fajitas at Ninfas. I've been eating them for a very long time. I have memories of going to the navigation location with my father and seeing Mama Ninfa sitting in the dining room. And of course, the, the thing about fajitas is that not only do you see it, but you hear it sizzling on the platter, on the comal. You smell it. You get that whiff of uh, smoke coming off the comal. It's, it's that, that audiovisual, you know, olfactory. Those elements all are part of what make that dish so compelling. And, of course, our, our platter wasn't sizzling. It wasn't sizzling, and it was like 30 minutes behind. Um, I just... Yikes. It wasn't our server's fault. It was definitely a kitchen breakdown. The chef came out and acknowledged it. Um, We still paid full fare for the entire meal, which I just, I don't know. I mean, if you know you're still kind of in a soft opening phase and you know the timing and the food didn't come out the way it should be for $60 for our fajitas for what we got, I'm going to be real honest. I think I'd rather be at El Tiempo eating beef filet fajitas for the same price. I just... It's uh, consistency and hospitality and quality were all lacking here on the food front. Yeah, and my mother's dish wasn't, you know, she ordered the India, which is that kind of classic oversized tostada, a staple of the Nifas menu. Her dish wasn't hot enough either. Um, it wasn't without some positive elements that Tris Leches was excellent. Tris Leches was good uh, and the Queso Flamiato was good. Queso Flamiato is a classic and the ceviche, the ceviche was really good. The entree portion of our meal was a total miss. Yeah, I I think in a different context, like if that happens to me again, like when they're open for realsies, mm-hmm. I would send it back. Like that, if if the fetus doesn't arrive to the table sizzling, yeah, uh, and you have 30, my permission. And thirty minutes late. Well, you know, at that point you're just hungry, right? Yep. But you know, at at that point, you know, it there's a certain expectation with that dish. They they certainly didn't meet it. Now I have every confidence that in the future they will because they. Jason has been with Ninfas now for a while. He's been training at the navigation location. 
He understands what the expectations are. Everybody at Needfus understands what the expectations are. But yeah, they missed. They missed for us uh, one day before they were officially open to the public. It's not. It's certainly not fatal. I will certainly be back. But yeah, if it happened again, I would. I, I, would, just kinda, I would send that dish back. It was a combination of that. I reached out to their PR, Nick Scarfield. Didn't hear back from him. Just overall kind of disappointed in the response. Fair enough. All right. But are you writing this location off or you're, you're an El Tiempo fan? I'm not going to write it off. I might go there for drinks and sit at the bar. My mom works upstairs uh, in that same building. Uh, but I'll be at El Tiempo for food most likely. Fair. All right. And then just briefly... You and I did something that we never do. We went to a nightclub. That's right. We went to base. This is the new nightclub in downtown in Market Square. This was a sight to be seen, Eric and I, working the, work the club circuit. It's called, it's called base because it's in the basement of 801 Congress. Um, Mary, let me just throw it to you. What did you think of, what did you think of our bottle service? At the, club experience. at the ripe age of 36, I'm not sure I'm allowed to give an opinion on underground nightclubs, but I will do my best. Um, you had a good time. I had a good time. Uh, the dance floor is beautiful. They had all these amazing lights uh, that were kind of synced up to the music, I suppose. Um, very lively dance floor. Very pretty setting. It reminded me a little bit, minus the dance floor, just the library bookcases and the seating vignettes of this bar we used to have uh, in Hotel Icon on the mezzanine level. And I forget the name of it. I think maybe Monkey Bar. I can't remember. But that was one of my favorite bars when I was a lot younger and lounges. And this reminded me a little bit of that setting and atmosphere. Um, pretty space. Kind of cool that it's underground. Um, in the heart of downtown and Market Square, I think it's a good location. And uh, really, you know, really fun evening. Good music. That's what I would say. Yeah, no, I, I like the contemporary furniture. I think the bookcase is a little bit silly, but it does give it like a slightly more upscale lounge vibe. Yeah. Less of that like, look at me club thing. There's does you know, it doesn't have the multiple levels of seating. It doesn't have some of the, the more ostentatious elements of a place like Clay or Spire. So just from that from that aspect alone, I think it'll draw a slightly different crowd, maybe a slightly older crowd that's still Wants to go out and dance and have a good time, but doesn't necessarily want to be in the middle of a total shit show. So I, I do think, uh, I do think I, you know, not my, like not my scene, like my one visit to base is probably my, my last visit to base. But if, if people invited me to go, or if I, if, if I knew friends that were in town or, or that, that wanted that experience, like for a birthday party, you know, I would have, I would have no reluctance to go back there. I agree. I mean, it's something you're going to do with a group of friends and everything else. Cocktail prices are fine, but it's, you know, it is a club club. So if you want uh, a dedicated seating area, you're going to pay for that with either minimums and or bottle service of fairly yeah, you're gonna, expensive you're gonna pay prices. You're going to pay $400 for a, a bottle of champagne that you could buy at a at a wine, any wine shop for, for 70 75 Or 50 <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, we got the, the Rosé Clico. I think, I think regular Clico is, is 300 think that's 54 bucks at b19 no yeah. i'm just kidding <laughs> something around there right well but that's 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 part of the experience true all right uh mary before you get out of here what's going on at avondale 
So we've got Father's Day coming up uh, this Sunday, I believe, and we're going to be open for dinner that day rather than brunch. Um, we're doing a really cool wine flight of Tusk Estates, Barber Vineyards, and Keplinger Lithic for 50 bucks. So uh, this is all on our Corbin system, kind of something special to treat your dad to have something that they may not normally have. Um, and we're going to do a, a great meat-themed dinner uh, with a choice of uh, ribeye, bone-in ribeye, uh, if you would like, or some other choices as well, as well as our homemade pasta and stuff. So I'm excited for Father's Day dinner coming up this weekend, as well as an additional um, increase in capacity for our wine store. We're going to be able to hold about 500 bottles uh, for retail purchase starting this week instead of the 200 we started with. All right. Very good. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. And I'll be right back with Ben Berg. Ben Berg. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? I'm joined this week by Ben Berg, the owner of Berg Hospitality. That includes B&B Butchers, BB Lemon, BB Italia, and coming soon, Any Cafe. Ben, welcome back to the show. How are you? Thank you. Good. Good to see you. Good to be seen. You're a busy guy. I think I think when you were last here with your brother Daniel, you had just taken over Carmelo's. Mm-hmm. You were going to continue running it as Carmelo's, and I don't think you had even announced BB Lemon yet. No. No, so, definitely not. All right, so... So let's start. Well, let's start with BB Italia. Mm-hmm. Why did you make the decision to rebrand, rebrand the restaurant and, and move away from the Carmelo's name? I mean, basically, we were doing a complete renovation. Um, so from the interiors, the atmosphere, and it wasn't really Carmelo's anymore. Um, it's kind of, you know, we put our touches on it. Um, and I, th- I think it was just... It was important to, to, to kind of change the name because it just wasn't Carmelo's. And I, I feel some people still felt, you know, oh, this is Carmelo's, this is Carmelo's. And then when my brother changed the menu, changed some of the dishes, changed style, it wasn't Carmelo's. So why keep the name anymore? Right. And at that point, you, you know, you take a dish off the menu that had been on the Carmelo's menu right. for 30 years. And people are like, but I, w- I want that thing. Right. Right. You can't tell people. Now, I, I will say I had dinner there Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like kind of the road that you've taken it in because it's still it's still a neighborhood Italian restaurant. Correct. Right? The the pastas are all around fifteen bucks. I think even the filet is like twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. So well, really reasonable. Very reasonable, yes. Um I, I think it might be the most controversial restaurant in the Memorial Area Eats Facebook group. Yeah. <laughs> seem to be seems to be kind of a a lot of fans and, and some detractors. How do you how do you feel about how it's going since you've, you've we had re-opened? a really bumpy start? Um, I just things got kind of yeah. It, it's hard in general hiring in this town and staffing a restaurant. Um, I feel up there is a little harder. We had a hard time, really, really just staffing up, and then it was amazing. Right off the bat, we had private parties. We had. Busy bar. The weather wasn't 110 degrees yet, so we had a patio going. And really, really the big issue was Mother's Day. And the volume that came and how quickly it came, we weren't really expecting it. 
Um, I mean, I I walked through the space. I had no idea that restaurant was that big. Yes. Because you have the main dining room that seats, what, about 100? Yeah, roughly. And then you've got a series of private rooms that seat anywhere from about a dozen to about 50. Correct. Plus the new bar that seats another. I mean, it's a pretty big. It's, oh, it's it, it needed that bar. Yes. The space oh, needed the bar. Definitely. I mean, the whole area, I think, needed a bar. Yeah, because I don't. Like outside of places in city center, like I don't, I don't know where people in that area would go for like a happy hour. No, there isn't. Right, yep. and so this is like a. I mean, putting that bar in gives you a hangout spot. I think it's a, and it's a point of differentiation. So, yep. So that all makes sense to me, but yeah, I can, I, I can see how too many people in in that space would be difficult to. Yeah, and you know we're still. I mean, I think I have two days left, but. We had to get this. The city really messed messed us up, but we're still on a fire watch. I still have to have a fire marshal there. Good lord! Yeah, I've just been like what, the street construction doesn't help. Street construction doesn't help. That was all. Our side was supposed to be open by May fifteenth, but that company's a disaster. Um, but the whole thing supposedly is open on October thirty first, and I actually do know that the, the the contractors asked if they could extend that into January and the city council just said, no, you have to get it done. Um, but the, I mean, it, 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 the construction out there is a joke. Oh yeah. No. Well, you, you mentioned the service. I will say, uh, Randy took care of us, mm-hmm. knew the menu, was able to make suggestions. Super nice guy. We, we like from a service perspective, we had a really positive experience. Now I, I know that I get, you know, I get the be careful with that guy at your table, <laughs> you know, lecture. But, right. uh, but you know, I kind of watched him interacting with the other tables. It seemed to be a pretty sincere version of who he is. No, I mean, I'll tell you, I, I watch. So I watch open table. That's really the only, when, when it comes from a scoring point, from if there's issues with food or any kind of consistencies, that's what I usually look for. Obviously, you could see it on Yelp and stuff, but I don't really bother with Yelp. Um, but open table, I would say, at our worst, just opening right after Mother's Day when we really made some mistakes. Uh, we're at 3.4, I think. Probably after this weekend. I haven't looked this morning. But, you know, we're at 3.9 going into Friday. I'm pretty sure we'll be over four. So the team has really come together. It also helped. You know, we closed down Annie. I have a, We brought in a ton of their more seasoned professionals, I would say to give us a hand because we assumed all their staff and we've kind of peppered them throughout the other stores right now. Yeah, we're, we're coming to that. Um, but I, I do want to talk about BB Lemon mm-hmm. because I, I, you know, I went there as it was opening and, and tried some of the dishes and enjoyed them and, and said so on this, this show and in other places. But, you know, it was when I, I showed up with friends maybe a month later and they said, do you have a reservation? And I went, this is like the casual like burger and like, have a cocktail like i didn't even know you took reservations or like yeah we started taking reservations it's like that was the point where i i knew that this uh it was maybe a little bit bigger and more of a restaurant maybe than you anticipated yeah there was a lot of things that happened with bb lemon that i didn't anticipate um i wanted it you know no reservations um i honestly thought it'd be more casual it wouldn't be like we're coming again. We're going to dine here all night, have a bottle of wine. You know, my kind of place would be I'm going to come in, have a burger, a beer, and get out. That's what I saw. That right. that, that didn't happen. Uh, 
which right. I'm not going to complain about, but you know, when guests wanted to come and eat at seven and we're like, well, you know, just come on in if there's a way, you know, we're tight on space. That's when we started going back and forth. All right, we'll open up a couple tables. We'll do this. And it was kind of more listening to what it was, what was happening with, with, I, I, I guess the public, they're like, no, we want to have eight people at this time. And, you know, I think part of it is being right across the street from B and B and, the expectation that it was, you know, I, I personally, I don't think, I mean, it's amazing. A lot of people don't, um, they don't research as much the restaurant. They just thought it was mine. So it's going to be high end like BNB. I mean, I would say within the first two weeks, I won't name the law firms, but I, we were getting inquiries from law firms for 60 person seated dinners there. I don't even know if they looked at the menu. Right. Like <laughs> yeah, you, you, know? you had to be like, we, can't we can, like we, we can't, can't really do that. No, we can't. I mean, we'll I'll take buy you across a, the street, right? Or I'll buy a grill and you will put some picnic tables out in the yard and we'll grill and you can come pick up your own food. But yeah, we can't do that. Um, so we, we we still really do. Yeah, you know, right now obviously the summer's come. It's really hot outside. Um, so we're trying to balance everything. But I'll tell I'll tell you. Like I look at the books on Saturday night. I'd say we did a hundred and maybe ten and reservations and almost 150 and walk-ins so they're able to work it. yeah so they work it yeah. out and it's i mean i you know I, i'm trying to remember i think it, it was some friend of mine that was like i i had been struggling with how to describe the restaurant and uh one of my friends nailed it and called it fancy diner yeah i mean i, I mean I, i'd say atmospheric diner yeah you know but, a, a little more environment than a diner but Right, but we're, but we're, that kind of com- like rooted in that comfort food, like yes. rooted in a in a really great hamburger, you know, some fried seafood, and then some other stuff. Yeah. So you're taking the concept to Montrose. You've leased the Pax Americana mm-hmm. space. How much of it will be the same? Like, are you going to keep like that that plaid wallpaper? I mean, is it going to look like? It's going to look very similar. We're, we're changing up certain things. You know, the thing with Pax is the space is just. I don't know. I love that space. Yeah, it's an awesome little space. Um, yeah, but the plaid's gonna stay. We'll have different plaid. It has that other room, which is kind of a private room, which is gonna definitely be different. Obviously, we're not touching that bar because that bar is gorgeous. No, that bar's like an antique. Yeah, do you know what that bar is? No. So that bar is a Wells Fargo bar. It was bought from somewhere a little more out west, as probably from the late nineteen hundreds. I mean, early nineteen hundreds. And Wells Fargo used to, when they set up banks in small towns, they would have a little bar cafe next to it, which is brilliant, right? You get your money and you just yeah, spend it right. with them at the bar. But that's that's where that came out of. Okay. Um, but I, th- I, I mean, the bar's awesome. Um, but the only kind of, obviously, the patio, we're going to do a little differently. We have some ideas for that and cover it. Um, I'm excited to, I hope people will do it, like have street seating, you know, because it's, it's more urban. I love that street right there. Yeah, Montrose is a little more yeah. walkable, yeah. certainly than than that stretch of Washington Avenue. It's got that. Uh, you've got those galleries right next door. I mean, yeah, I could see that. And then Emily Emily Trussler, who's the chef there, she's actually very talented with fish. So, and I want to let her. She's going to oversee both, but on this one, she's putting on. I say, you know, let's put a little more fish, and you know, we have some historical stuff, so we can see what doesn't sell. And she wants to add some more seafood to it because all the seafood specials she puts on on Washington, they go like crazy. 
So I'm, we're adjusting that right now. and I have a little different menu. Okay. Um, and that was just, I mean, was that sort of just like the concept successful and the space is the right space? And Honestly, it was, it's the right space. Yeah. Uh, you know, when they, when they ask me, they say, we kind of want you to put this here. And that space works for the lemon. Because you must get pitched. I mean, every restaurant that closes, you must get a phone uh, call. Yeah, it's amazing now. <laughs> I mean, I was sort of kidding around, but it's like, well, you know, like the the provision space has a wood burning oven. You could do pizza there. You could do you could do right. BB Italian, and yeah. then, you know, no, that, I love that space. It just it felt right. Okay, so, um, and then I haven't really had a chance to talk to you about uh, the Cafe Handy deal because that's when I was out of the office. So, so yeah, just how did that? How did that come together? How did you become the owner of, of Cafe Annie? And then, and then, well, let's, let's go from there. Let's start at the beginning. So I was actually looking through my emails when I was asked about this. Ed Wolf came to me, God, I think it was April of 2018. Okay. Long time ago. And pitched me this idea. I'm um, saying, you know, things weren't going great. He thought it needed a new life. The great thing about Ed is Ed loves... I think Ed feels Ed's somehow been involved as either an investor or a landlord with with Cafe Annie and Robert for I think close to thirty years, right? Because they were in the shopping center that is now Boulevard Place, even right. before. So that makes sense. And I think he's emotionally attached to to Cafe Annie, and he 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 brought the idea to me, saying, "Would you consider? You know, I think you'd be a great partnership with Robert. I want you to keep Robert." Um, and I said, ah, I'll think about it, but probably not. And then he starts showing me their numbers. I was like, whoa, definitely not. That's high rent. And the, the way the deal was first posed and then it went back and forth for a while and I kind of lost interest and, um, and then it started, actually I bumped into Robert. I took kind of my leadership people we kind of put everybody together and we went to new orleans for a little retreat and when we were there we were all having dinner at galatoire's and robert walked in and then we started talking more and from there robert and i I'd met robert but i had never i didn't have a relationship with him i couldn't call him or anything and we started talking and speaking with him and i mean he's brilliant and i think i started seeing a little excitement that there could be something we could do that might work out really well. I mean, now it better work out really well. But, uh, <laughs> but and then getting really serious with Ed and negotiating a really good deal that I think is positive for everybody. Um, yeah, I think because I think the biggest question when I was sort of reading this as it was happening is, you know, why kind of keep the cafe Annie or or even even rebranding it as Annie Cafe? Like, why not just call it? Like, why not leverage your BB branding? Why not do a second B&B Butchers? I mean, you know, if you wanted if you wanted to be in the neighborhood, if you wanted to be in the Galleria, you know, why why maintain that relationship with Robert? Um, I, just, I, I thought it was exciting to do that. I wouldn't do another B&B Butchers. So that was, like, out of the question. Right. I didn't really... I didn't have a concept, per se, in my head. Um, but my architect and I, over the summer, too, we were looking and looking and trying to figure it out because there's some definite, like, design flaws in that space. And 
you know, I, I would, I'd probably said to everybody, don't even, uh, I wouldn't even consider doing a second floor, a uh, second floor restaurant. You know, it, it's tough. And, um, but then I don't know, maybe like four months ago, I think we figured it out and we figured a way to do it where it's really going to work. It's going to make sense. Um, and then speaking to a lot of people, I said, what happened to Cafe Annie? Or like, what are the issues? And I mean, people are really blunt about, you know, ah, there's no bathrooms upstairs. The bar isn't great. There's no atmosphere. I don't like the way it looks, you know. And then uh, you speak to people and you say, what, why would you go to Cafe Annie? And it kind of turned into, I'd say, a celebration place where maybe your grandparents might take you. Right. I think, I think uh, that's kind of the heart of all of these kind of old school Houston institution fine dining places. It's especially when, you know, they're associated with one person the same way the cafe and he's been associated with Robert. It's like, you know, my mother has very fond memories of going to cafe Annie in the eighties and nineties. But of course, you know, we didn't get, we as the kids didn't get invited along. So I don't have that kind of relationship with it. And, you know, even though I've, I've met Robert subsequently and had a couple of meals there, like it's not, you know, if, if I'm going to celebrate a special occasion, you know, I'm probably going to something newer, you know, one of Chris Shepard's places or something like that. So I guess, how do you, so I guess from, well, from your it, perspective is how do you, how do you connect it with a, a younger generation and make it feel like their place? I mean, well, just renovating the whole thing for one. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a completely different vibe. We're dropping, I mean, one of the main things, actually this week we're doing a, a lot of uh, menu work and kind of really come close to forming the team for cocktails and wine and really just bring a real approachable atmosphere to it. I mean, it's going to be fresh and bright and 50-seat bar. You have a, It has probably one of the best patios in the city that's up high, looking over Post Oak. It faces east, so you never have to worry about sun. It's covered. I mean, it's great. It's just there's so much underutilized there, in my opinion. Right. So what do you, I mean, like how much of the food is going to be new and how much is going to be the same? Because there might be. Uh, Okay, well, this is the lucky part. Robert's crew can always make something from the past. Right. So if if you want rabbit enchiladas or whatever. They will make it. Okay. But is it is it going to be on the menu? Probably not. Okay. Um, I mean, we, we we probably have this one little like classic or section. But I go to Robert and he goes, well, you know, I think he's ready for change too. And and they got stuck, you know. Well, I I, I, lo- I love this dish from whenever. And why is it on the menu anymore? And he's like, oh well, I mean, we can make it for you. He goes, but I haven't seen you here in t- five years. Right. right? You, you know so. There's always fond memories, but you also have to, you know, reimagine yourself. You got to attract a new crowd. You got to keep on moving. Right. I mean, even with uh, Indica as it's getting ready to close. I love that restaurant. When's the last time you ate there? I don't know, like two, three years ago. Yeah. It's like that doesn't, that does not, that is not a sustainable business model. No, not at all. And, um, you know, and I also just think being a celebration restaurant is tough to sustain when when you're not attracting new, you know, the younger customers, really. Right. I mean, you've got a good balance of that at B&B, right? Because yeah. people go there for their birthdays and their anniversaries, but you must do like a business crowd during the week and, yes. you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, yeah, I mean, we have expense accounts, business, but we're getting social. 
I mean, right now I think we have like we're, we're hitting every demographic, but also on the weekends we're getting a younger steakhouse demographic. Yeah, you know? right. You're you're in the mix with the Steak Forty Eights and the Masters of the World as kind of a newer school, yeah, more lively atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, some people just call it loud. But. I mean that that is definitely part of it, right? But if then you again, have to, if you have to text your friends across the table instead of talking to them, I put soundproofing in now. It's getting better. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then so uh, I do have to. I feel sort of obligated. I, I just want to ask you about so Benjamin, the kind of downtown restaurant. That's that's off the table at this point. Basically, I mean, we couldn't come to a deal. We've still talked about trying to get there, but at this point. I don't know if it's going to happen with like the current ownership, but we, we, we've, we're making a, we've, we've tried, let me put it that way, but we just can't get to the right deal right now. But you, I, I assume you still want, you still kind of want to do that throwback. Oh, 100%. I mean, I have, and the problem is that space is so gorgeous. And, but, uh, that one's killing me. Because <laughs> I want lobster thermidor. I want yeah. I want the prime rib card. I want all of those things. Yeah. And so what is so how is Daniel kind of dividing his time right now? Or he's mostly focused on Italia. He's focused on Italia right now. I mean, with you know, we just have to get you know the machine right. You know, I mean lemon. In a way, we have that machine moving, you know, and I think you know I have some great people working with me that understand that. And Lemon, we did it quickly, but um, especially with working in that space. But um, yeah, and then you know I'm going to use my brother to come out and kind of help us culinarily in places, and you know really keep on evolving because I think that's one thing people get stayed and like this works, so let's keep it and. I want to keep on evolving. And, you know, I go out, I go to a place, I try something. I'm like, oh, man, we could do this. Or, yeah, we could do this better. But this is great, you know? Yeah, I I mean, I don't I don't want to be the guy to necessarily pitch you ideas, but it seems like the deli part of B&B, like, you know, everybody always says, like, there's not a lot of great sandwich shops in Houston, right? That that would seem like a no-brainer for you. Yeah, but it's also finding. So, like, the deli, I mean, for me, that's between, like, a BB lemon and just sandwiches, that's, what I would basically live on and pizza. Um, but it's also, it's tough. I mean, you got to find, you know, sandwiches, you got to find, a, unless you're doing drive through and everything, you got to make sure you're getting the, the traffic. And it's, it's, I think it's a tougher city here. Like in New York, you just walk by, oh, there's like a little sandwich shop. Let me grab a sandwich and keep walking. Right. You right. know? Yeah. And, and here you got to figure out parking. You got to, yeah, I mean, it's a ton. Yeah. So, and then, you know, the rents don't go down in this city. <laughs> no, no, I don't know. It's gonna, you know, the you know the restaurants, the restaurants keep opening. You know, yeah. every every week there's someplace new to try. That's crazy. Um, well, I think that brings me to the end of what. I, oh, so before I let you go, um, so what's the timing? So so BB Lemon Montrose and and Annie Cafe. What what are you? What's your best guess? Uh, lemon. What's today's day? The the 10th. So we're looking, sorry, probably three weeks, three to four weeks. Okay, so roughly July 1st, give or take. 
Yeah, I mean, we're going to try to do some friends and family, maybe quietly open right after the 25th, 26th. But we're going into July 4th week, which is a slow week. So that's when we're going to do quiet stuff. Okay. And then, and then Annie? Annie, I would love to have it done by right after Labor Day. Yeah, because you, you definitely want to be open in time for the holidays. Oh, 100%. For, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're moving. I mean, walking there now, it's the whole thing's demoed. I actually was out all day picking out doors and tiles. And you're putting bathrooms upstairs. We're putting bathrooms upstairs. Yeah, so it's going to make sense. Yeah. All it's right. It's going to be cool. All right, well, I can't let you leave without doing at least some version of the lightning round, even though you've uh, you've done it already. So five easy questions, five short answers. Ben Berg, just say the... Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Ben Berg, what is your favorite cookbook? Oh, gosh. <laughs> the Mafia cookbook? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a cookbook. No, I mean, I, honestly, this one, the Mafia cookbook is the last one I think I've looked at. But <laughs> All right. When you go back to New York, uh-huh. what's the one restaurant that you have to go to every time? Uh, it's J.J. Mellon's. Um. Do you of all of the celebrities that that have come into B and B Butchers? Do you was there one that you were the most excited about? Mm. Like personally, Joe Montana was pretty cool. That's, that's yeah, that's a good answer. Yeah. All right, and then uh, what is your uh, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a place with a drive through. Come from a place with a drive. <sighs> Man, I guess like. I, I I still love an egg McMuffin once in a while. <laughs> it's a very good answer. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, what is your go-to pizza order when you you're trying a pizza place for the first time? What do you what do you get? Uh, I got two cheese slices, pepperoni slice, and a slice of sausage. And I, I gotta say, not too hot. I hate it when they make the pizza too hot because yeah, it burns your tongue. Yeah. yeah. All right. Give us the website for Berg Hospitality and B and B and all that stuff. Berg Hospitality is what com. BB Butchers is www.bbbutchers.com. Then we have www.bblemon.com and www.italiakitchen.com. Italia Kitchen Houston. Uh, no, just bbitaliakitchen.com. bbitaliakitchen.com. <laughs> pizza. And then we have the anniehouston.com. Very good. And that should be up pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being here. Perfect. Thank you. That was fun. All right. Uh, well, hold on. You can, because I have to close the show. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at E. Sandler, on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.